I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Hello, I'm Peter Aston, and you're listening to the FT's weekly Culture Cast. A special guest hovered in the wings at the launch some weeks ago of the Creative Industries Federation in London. The new pressure group has been prompted by the need to present a united front of artists and creative entrepreneurs so that they can better deliver their case to the government of the day. It was time, said the founders, to pack the political punch that matched the social and economic contribution of the creative industries. And they were rightly proud that they could count on George Osborne, UK Chancellor, to give them his formal blessing. Osborne, who has been subtly restyled over the past year, was more than up for the occasion. Tackling a potentially hostile audience of dissenters from his political beliefs, he played to the crowd with feathery deftness of touch. Just as they were expecting him to make heavy weather of the economic case for the arts, he did the precise opposite. That case, he said, was well known to everyone in the room, and so it was. Instead, he wanted to emphasise something altogether more abstract. The arts, he said were special because they express who we are as human beings and who we are as people living in this country. The audience gurgled with delight. Forget multiplier effects and regional regeneration. This was the closest you could get to an argument which justified art for art's sake and from an austerity-fixated Conservative Chancellor. Osborne was lustily applauded. Could this be a promising portent for May's general election? Might the overarching existential questions of what it is to be British dominate the hustings over our relentless and niggardly obsessions with material matters? Don't hold your breath. For the most part, politicians have historically shown a haughty disregard for cultural conversation. At the last election in 2010, which came at a time of unprecedented success for British culture, barely a word was spared for the country's art scene. Here was a sector of the community that was popular, globally dominant, boosting local economies, good for you, charismatically led and morally uplifting, yet it scarcely merited a mention in the main party's manifestos. This is perfectly understandable. The discourses of art and politics are polar opposites from each other. Politicians do everything they can to make their statements simple. Their analysis is deliberately crude their arguments tendentious. They talk down to people, sinking to the lowest common denominator in pursuit of stray votes. Artists, by contrast, embrace rather than eschew complication. They speak a language that is often self-referential and steeped in formal dialogue. Their concern is to make themselves understood among a peer group that constitutes a taste-making elite. They make their points allusively, and they don't care terribly much if anyone gets them. They live a life of introspection and tend to be original thinkers. Excessive popularity may make them rich, but they worry about it. Let's dream a little, though. Wouldn't it be refreshing if artists were to be let loose on Osborne's theme of how we define ourselves 
during the course of this year's election campaign. Of all issues, it is identity, personal, social, national, religious, which requires the most nuanced thinking in today's world. The meaning of who we are has become increasingly slippery in the 21st century. It requires a subtle response, the kind of thing that artists are good at and politicians run a mile from. Take the two family shows I went to see over the Christmas holiday period. The first was the Mad Hatter's Tea Party, Zoo Nation's spirited reworking of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland as a hip-hop dance piece at the Royal Opera House. Here was Middle England dressed in the most vibrant art form of our time, peppered with globally diverse inflections and attracting a palpably enthusiastic and curious audience. In The Christmas Truce at the Royal Shakespeare Theatre, another renowned piece of British history, the 1914 football match among the trenches of the First World War, was reinterpreted for the over-nines. How to convey the black humour among young men watching their hopes drown in mud, the pathetic evanescence of a moment of solidarity between sworn enemies, without dragging the audience into abject despair. Phil Porter's light-touch play managed it, setting a tone which asked us what it was that we were commemorating. This is what the arts are for, to find questions where there appears to be certainty, to force open avenues of inquiry amid the cul-de-sac of calcified thinking and prejudice. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, put it beautifully in an Observer interview last week. One of the great legacies of our culture is that we have a supremely great poet who keeps reminding us how words make us who we are. That means that having good words around us, an imaginative context that feeds us, is not a luxury but a necessity of life. He was talking of Shakespeare, but his point applies to all the words, images, sounds and stories that come together to define us, both individually and collectively. It would be a joy to hear politicians over the next few months dare to live, at least partly, in this richly imaginative universe. Let them put aside their microwaved answers to fiendishly complicated issues and engage with a real world that is thirsty for a deeper level of political response. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.